Hi, and welcome. You're listening to the Breadcrumb Trails podcast. Once again, we're talking to Brian, who spent some time living over in Japan, and we're going to be talking with him specifically about the JET program. We're your hosts. I'm Gina. I'm Amy. And I'm Carol. Before we continue this episode, I wanted to take a moment to plug our social media. You can find all of our social media links at linktree slash breadcrumbtrailspodcast. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash breadcrumbtrailspodcast. If you like the content we put out, you can also now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash trailblazermedia. That's patreon.com slash trailblazermedia. Go check it out if you like the content we put out and consider supporting us. Now, let's get you back to the episode. So Brian, last time we sat down and talked with you a little bit about reverse culture shock and you were over in Japan for I think you said a total of six years because you were with the JET program for five of those six years if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was an exchange student at uh, Kansagaida University for a year uh, and then I was a JET for five years. Awesome. So why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself? What is, I guess, your education? What prompted you to want to go to Japan? My uh, formal education is a Bachelor of Arts in Communication and Culture, uh, but I just started a second Bachelor of Arts. Yay. Where, where I started with Japanese was um, actually in high school. Uh, my high school is one of the rare few that had a Japanese program. And that was at the time when anime really kind of had its first big boom. And so at that time, I was really interested in anime. And so it's like, okay, cool, do Japanese. And then through Japanese, I found something that I was good at, uh, at least at the time. <laughs> I found supportive teachers and I found a lot of purpose for the future. And so at that time, the JET program, I think, was still fairly new. It was, oh, I want to say maybe in its, like, teen years, I think. Um, I can't quite remember. But it was fairly new, and my teacher talked about it a number of times. And so I knew that going into education, I wanted to do the JET program first so that I could go in a little bit more equipped. And then I chased that dragon for a good decade, <laughs> went through university, and then uh, worked for a few years before I finally applied. So overall, with the JET, uh, in regards to the JET program, what is your favorite experience from that experience? Uh, what, what's your favorite memory from that experience in your life? I think one of my favorite memories was um, uh, a friend of mine named uh, Aiko owned a bar in town. And she ended up learning English through the ALTs that would come through town. Because at that time, when we first started having ALTs in our town, absolutely no one spoke English. Japanese was pretty uncommon. And there was this bar that was run by uh, Aiko's mom, uh, her late mother. And uh, she was really crazy and she knew like a bunch of swears in English, but that was it. And so it just ended up becoming a popular hotspot. And so every ALT since has gone to this bar and made friends with her. I went to her bar for a concert by this like hippie folk musician and met, you know, a bunch of my students were there because laws in Japan are a little, you know, loose. 
I met the head pharmacist who I made friends with and just had a really, really cool time. And it was, it was one of those opportunities where it wasn't a forced social engagement. Um, like it wasn't like a town party and everyone wanted to talk to me because I look bored and, you know, they don't talk to me very much. It was a lot more organic and a lot more interesting. And that was, that's probably one of my, one of my cooler memories was just, just going to a place and hanging out, listening to some music, meeting some people. Um, what's ALT? Uh, assistant language teacher. Uh, it's the main position of the JET program. So when I, if I get into the JET program, that will be my title is ALT. I guess I have one massive question to start this off, since we're just getting started for tonight. The application process for the JET program is quite an extensive one, and from what I hear, it's you basically running around like a chicken with your head cut off. What was that like for you? What is the application process <laughs> like? It's looking through my application, it's actually pretty pedestrian. The application form itself is just what's your school history? What's your job history? What, you know, experience have you had in intercultural relationships? It's it's really long, but it's pretty pedestrian itself. There are a whole lot of other things that you need. You need transcripts. You need medical checks, things like that. And so it is It is very long and it is very dense. You also have to write your statement of purpose, which is kind of like the big thing that everyone thinks about with the application. But in reality, it's, it's just a really long job application that will take you like two months to fill out. <laughs> yeah, it's just because you, you'll go back, you do, you do a little bit, you go back, you get a form, you go back, you do a little bit, you go back. And a lot of the spaces are kind of repetitive. So I, I was working at a community center uh, teaching English for a, a really brief period of time. And I think I mentioned it like three or four times on the application, talking about it in different contexts. So talking about it as job experience, talking about it as international experience, talking about it as teaching experience, blah, blah, blah. It's, it, it's really hectic, but um, I had the chance to interview an in Interact um, ALT, which is another uh, major recruiter. And they said what I, what, or sorry, what I got from that was that actually JET is collecting all of this information all at once. So it can make the decision about interviews all at once. Interact or private employer or a language school, something like that. They're gonna go through this piece by piece as you go. So you're still doing the same amount of work. It's just that JET does it all at once so it can make one decision, send one package of applicants to the embassy or consulate, do one set of interviews and do one departure. And so that's why it's so just kind of long and exhausting to do. But it's, yeah, in reality, everyone's, every job is gonna ask you the same stuff. It's just JET does it up front. Uh, what other factors went into your decision on choosing the JET program as opposed to Interac or even the private ones? Um, at the time, I actually didn't know about Interact. Uh, it was only something I learned later. But JET um, has the better reputation. It's now over 30 years old, and so it's more established. It has a better reputation. It has better uh, supports in place for ongoing training, 
better pay, uh, like better holiday times, better working conditions usually. It's more reputable. And again, I heard about it when I was in high school. So it's like, I'm chasing that. I didn't, uh, I, er, so I did consider language schools as a backup, but I didn't really consider them too hard because I, I kind of knew what they were about. The biggest issue with language schools is they're paying you usually for your time in class. So you might make $35 an hour, but if you're only teaching for 45 minutes three times a day, that's a huge pay cut versus making 4 million yen a year on a salary. So it didn't matter. There were, there were entire weeks where I sat at my desk without class and I was still getting paid for that. And that's sort of, that's sort of like one of the jet benefits. You're a salary, you're a full-time salary employee. You're not getting pulled around by shifty employers trying to save money. When you applied for the JET program, did they automatically start applying for the work visas if needed there? Uh, yeah, all the work visas. That's another thing um, with the JET program is everything is taken care of. Your flight's taken care of. You won't find out about it until like, you know, four hours before you're on the plane, but your flight is taken care of. Your visa's taken care of. Everything is handled for you because it's being handled through the government. This conglomeration of the Ministry of Education, Foreign Affairs, Internal Affairs, and I think another ministry. And so they, they team up, you know, and form like the Japanese job market Voltron and kind of take care of everything for you. If you're looking at a private job, then you have to get visa sponsorship and you have to kind of do a lot of that yourself. Interact, I'm not sure about. I think Interact handles everything. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, you don't have to worry about... I mean, I had to worry about more when I went um, on an exchange to Kansai Gaidai than I had to worry about with Jet. The weeks that you spent... You mentioned spending weeks at your desk without any actual classes. So for those weeks that you were sitting at your desk without teaching, you said you were still getting paid for them. What were you doing? What were you doing during that during that time? It really varies by ALT. Some ALTs who are really active in lesson planning and in activity planning, they're building activities for their teachers, they're marking essays, they're correcting speeches. They might be working with students on speeches for contests. They could be planning camps. We didn't really have any of those programs, so I used part of that time to develop a phonics program, which I actually got some really, really heartwarming information on the other night. You could use it to study Japanese, you could use it to just kind of chill out. A friend of mine watched uh, lots of Star Trek when he had office time. Um, so you kind of have whatever time, whatever you really want to do. It all depends on who you are and what projects you're involved in. Sometimes it's okay, there are no classes because we're getting ready for the school festival. So you just kind of walk around and just interact with the students, see what they're doing, see if they need any help with anything. Or it's sports day, so they're practicing for sports day. So you just go out and the, you know watch the students practice and maybe mess around with them a little bit. I know from my research with the JET program, uh, at least what I've done so far, and people that I've talked to that have been through the JET program, it's not uncommon to have multiple classes in a day or in a week, and it's not uncommon to teach at multiple schools. So 
how many schools did you teach at and how many classes did you have on average in the run of a week? I was quite lucky. I was in a, th a town of 3,000 people, so we only had one elementary, one junior high, and one high school. And I'll, I'll come back to high school because that's a little bit different. But we also did work at uh, two kindergartens and a daycare. So when I first started my contract, I would work just at one school a day. And I'd have maybe three two to three classes a day usually. The kindergartens, I would sneak out and teach those and then come back. And for some reason, they always scheduled classes in the morning. So I would have no classes that day. <laughs> but <laughs> just could not get them to schedule them in the afternoon. But yeah, I was quite fortunate in that I didn't have to change schools. That only came later when the curriculum at elementary changed. And I started doing split shifts. So I started, and then for the rest of my contract, I was alternating between the elementary and the junior high a lot more in the same day. What is a lot more common is you're in a little bit of a, a small city or a larger town. They have a couple schools. So maybe on Monday, you're at this junior high school. Tuesday, you're at that junior high school. Wednesday, you visit this elementary school. Thursday, you're at your first junior high. And Friday, you're, you're at your second junior high. Or maybe you're a junior high only ALT. And so each, each day, maybe you're at a different junior high. There are ALTs who get like a dozen schools. And so their, their CO, their contracting organization, will schedule at the start of the year, usually, or at the start of the term, what the class visit schedule is. And so you just you follow your visit schedule. And usually it's you visit one school, but sometimes you visit two schools if they're close. High school is a totally different thing because high schools are directly under the uh, the purview of the prefectural board of education, whereas elementary and junior high are kind of half half and they're overseen by the local board. And so high school ALTs travel a lot more. All of the high school ALTs I know had a handful of visits, including the one that would come out and visit us because I wasn't prefectural board of education teacher. So I couldn't act. I wasn't actually an ALT at that school. It was just like a deal the town worked out. And so we would have an ALT every week for some months. They would come out and do classes and they would do usually because it was a long trip. They would work in the midday and then they would return home afterwards. It all really depends on where you work. There, there's a saying in Jet that I, I really hate and it's every situation is different. And it refers to the fact that every CO, every school is going to be a different entity. You might be an ALT who works in one school. You might be an ALT who works in 25. You might be on an island where you're the only ALT, so you have to work at all the schools. Or you might be in a small town where you just, you know, visit the couple of schools they have. In your time when you were in Japan in the five years, did you stay in one town specifically or were you moved around? Uh, yes, I was in one town. You, as a jet, you generally don't transfer. The, the most movement you would get is traveling to your schools. The only time you would transfer is if you put in a request to transfer, and that's usually on medical grounds or due to marriage, or if your CO did not hire four and five year ALTs, but they gave you a recommendation and said that you're a good ALT and you should be kept. 
So in that case, you could apply for a transfer to go to a different town for two years. The only other transfer is if you make the transfer from ALT to CIR, which is a coordinator of international relations. Usually those involve a move. I know one guy, they created a position for him so he didn't have to move. But uh, everyone I know who did that, and it was only a couple of people, they did have to move. One woman I know, she moved from up by where we were to Sapporo to take her CIR position. So it's it's very very rare that you would move and it would be it would only be if like something happened with the CO or if you needed to transfer and that was uh, deemed as as valid reasons. Dialing back a little bit, what sort of qualifications do you need to even begin thinking about applying to the JET program? Uh, the JET program, actually like pretty much any job in Japan, along the lines of teaching, you're going to need a bachelor's degree. It's, it's just a hard rule. I actually did some research recently and it looks like the rest of South Asia has hopped on that rule. So pretty much... Regardless of where you're going, if you're doing ESL, you need a bachelor's degree. It doesn't matter what that's in because employers recognize that it is an education. There are transferable skills. Obviously, if you have any coursework in Japanese, Japanese culture, communications, languages, art is a good one, actually. Anything like that is a bonus because, of course, you're going to be working in Japanese to a large degree. So if you have any Japanese, that's a bonus. But Japanese is not a requirement. I believe a lot of non-Japanese speaking ALTs get put in high schools because the teachers are uh, more proficient um, or they get put in junior highs because a lot of the junior high teachers are proficient. If you speak Japanese, I understand you tend to get put in elementary junior high where you can do a lot more of that communication. Aside from that, Anything else you do is up to you. If you have a TESOL certificate, you're going to know a little bit more about the job and be a little bit better at it, but it's not a requirement. It's a check mark on the application. If you have it, cool. If you don't, it's not a big deal. And there's, for CIR, the Coordinators of International Relations, you do need to have business level Japanese, and that's a requirement. Uh, but for an ALT, aside from having a bachelor's degree and gumption, there really are no requirements. What's the average day for an ALT look like? Again, it's one of those, it's one of those, it depends where you work answers. An average day for me, um, in the last year, I'll say, because I was at the, uh, the elementary most of the time, I would come into work. I never had first period classes. So I'd come into work, I'd find out kind of anything that's happening, and I'd have first period to do any prep work that I needed to do. Uh, my phonics program involved a lot of printing, so I'd have time to prepare those activities, print the worksheets we needed, gather up the supplies. If I had any last minute work I needed to do for a teacher, I'd be able to do that in first period. Usually I had class second period, so then it's go off to class. And depending on the class I was in, if I was in grades three and four, it was helping out the teacher, drilling vocabulary, helping run activities. If it was five or six, there was a little bit more of a role because it, for the last few months of my contract, the curriculum fully changed so that five and six are actual English classes now. 
And so those would be more rigorous activities. Um, I would help prep and help students with writing activities. Sometimes we would we would supplement the textbook and AV material we had. So if the AV material was read too fast or was of poor quality, um, we could slow it down or we could really go and kind of point out the keywords because a lot of that those tasks were about keyword focusing, not necessarily 100% proficiency. I would then go through, uh, I usually only ever had three classes a day. So I'd have, on one day I'd have, say, grade three, five, and six. And then the next day I'd have four, five, and six, because five and six had two uh, classes. Periodically I'd have one grade one and two and they would pop up. And those are just really play classes, but those only popped up about five times a year. Lunchtime came and at the elementary I ate lunch with the students. So I'd collect my lunch in the staff room and then, or our meeting room, and then go up and I would eat with the students and I'm eating the same meal that they're eating. And then it would just continue on. So I'd usually have like say second, fourth, and maybe fifth period or something would be a fairly typical work schedule. At the junior high, things were a little bit different because we only had three classes. There were only three Gumi, which is actually like grades. We only had enough students to make one class for each grade. So we only had three English classes. And so we would do, again, kind of the same thing. We would go in, we would support the main teacher, help with written work, help run speech activities, grade skits, things like that. The main difference there is that at my school, we ate lunch in the office. We didn't eat lunch with the kids, but that was an option if we wanted to. And then we were, we had started an after school program for uh, students who needed help, students who were falling behind. So we would often help with that during the last sort of hour of our, of our uh, work day. Uh, what sort of character attributes do you think is useful or needed for this line of work? A joke a friend of mine had, who uh, he, I believe he actually did recruiting one year or two years or something. Everyone who applies on JET is a nerd or crazy. You just, you have to be. But he, he always joked that you have, you have to be enough of an adult to suppress your nerd so that you can do the job. So you have to be excited about Japan. You have to be interested in learning Japanese and interested in learning from the other teachers and talking to them. You really want to be interested in taking part in town events. Um, I did the uh, the omikoshi, uh, the shrine ceremony, twice, and then I kind of got roped into it a third time, but I didn't actually do it that year. Your town wants you to be doing things like that, and and... The JET program wants you to be doing things like that. So being being interested in Japan, regardless of your language proficiency, being interested in helping students and being flexible, because unfortunately there are some downsides with JET and with teaching in Japan. So being flexible enough to uh, handle that and cope with that. Those are all big attributes that, uh, that the JET program is looking for. You said before in our first discussion that we had with you that you went and met the mayors of the town you were in. What was the purpose of that? Uh, so the first time I met the mayor was the like official hiring kind of ceremony deal because as a municipal ALT, 
I worked for Town Hall. So I actually worked for the mayor. The mayor signed my pay stubs. And so that was to welcome me to the town, talk to me about things, get to know me. Uh, my last meeting with the mayor was to talk to him about my departure and, you know, best wishes and all that. A number of other occasions were during yearly ceremonies where people transfer jobs and that sort of thing. And then just at like town functions. Um, I remember talking to him when we opened the new lunch center. Um, because we built a, a brand new state-of-the-art lunch center to handle all the school lunches for the kindergarten, elementary, and junior high. And so we had a bit of a talk there. And they had a little bit of interaction with our sister city exchange. But I was not really a part of that. So it was mostly like we're in the same room together at the same time. As a fun joke, though, me, the other ALT, and my coworker, or my, uh, my sorry, my, uh, my predecessor, uh, who worked in town hall we often joked about the mayor's like heat vision and the fact that he just like he looked so serious all the time that we were scared that he would like kill us <laughs> if we said something wrong <laughs> but he was a, he was a very very nice man he was always very pleasant to talk to uh, if a little intimidating but um aside from that really aside from the 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 first meeting the last meeting and kind of like one or two things, I didn't really interact with the mayor at all in, uh, in an official capacity. Uh, you'd mentioned there's some downsides to working to uh, working with the JET program. What, I guess, what are, the, what are the ones that come to mind first and foremost? Or what are those downsides that you think people should know about? One of the downsides is, unfortunately, due to the history of the program, um, and this is very fascinating and uh, I can explain it, there isn't a lot of direction for ALTs. The JET program is still this, like, confusing thing, even 30-plus years later. And a lot of teachers don't know what to do with their JETs. When you're looking at it, 30 years sounds like a really long time, but when you're looking at it, the grand scheme of things, most students will have only ever had a couple of ALTs. If they're lucky, they had an ALT in every class. If they're unlucky, they had a visit ALT who came like once a month. The teachers you're working with, unless they're like approaching retirement age, they've probably only worked with maybe three or four ALTs. So we had um, we had a situation where one of the teachers that we worked with, uh, I think had only worked with one other ALT before, and they were a visit ALT, so the, he never worked with them. So when he came to us and we had two ALTs in the school and we were there every day, he really didn't know what to do with us. And there was a lot of clashing and there was some conflicts there at the start. Another kind of really downside is there's this constant kind of finger pointing, I'll say. It's getting better and a lot of the, it, it got better every year. A lot of the really good teachers are really good and they go to these conferences with us to train and to hear us air our grievances because there's a yearly conference that you go to as an ALT where you do retraining and you talk about cooperating with your ALTs and making better classroom activities. And it's really frustrating to go to that conference, get all these great ideas, and then come back to your Japanese teacher, the, the, or the English teacher, and have them just like totally blow you off. And so there are a lot of communication issues like that where 
Chet is really trying to push to get more teachers at these conferences. They're trying to get more retraining on the job. Part of an ALT's job is actually on the job training. So we are supposed to be there training the teachers and teaching them in new modern teaching methods. But there's always a little bit of a power struggle there. And again, part of that is the, the fascinating history of the JET program. Well, even, even throughout history, Japan's been fairly resistant to change, if I remember my history correctly. Like, during any pivotal moment, they've always been resistant to change and sticking in the old ways, so... Yeah, a lot of teachers, unfortunately, the older you get... Um, we, had a, we had a teacher I worked with who, he was older, he was like, this guy should have retired at any point during my contract, and we have no idea why he didn't. He just dug his heels in, and he did it the way he did it and there was nothing we could do to get him to change. On the bright side, I'm being told that he's kind of being chased a little bit now. Now that another teacher's returned to the school, he's being held a little bit more accountable. The younger the teacher, generally the more flexible they are because they haven't, they've been taught these kind of bad ways of teaching that have just been perpetuated uh, because in Japan's defense, they don't really know anything else. If you never had active activities and English class was fun, and if it, if it was all just translation and like recitation, that's all you're going to know. So that's that's really what a lot of ALTs are battling. But the younger teachers tend to be a lot more accommodating and more willing to change. And the teacher that we had a, a bit of the problem with that, that had really only worked with like one ALT before, he really started to crack as the years went on, as he started to realize that more and more of what we were saying was valid, it was backed by science, and that a lot of the methods he was using just weren't working in the classroom. And so he was, he was a lot less reluctant to take our advice. But that's, that's probably like the big, like the black mark on Jet is that struggle between the teachers and, and the uh, the Japanese English teachers and almost every JET experiences that some to a higher degree than others but it's basically everything you read about JET you're going to come across that and it's just hopefully something that with more time with more attention and with more teachers attending these conferences and attending their own retraining are issues that will hopefully get paved out. That's about where we're going to wrap up for this episode. Once again, talking with Brian gave us an insane amount of information. So the next part of his interview will be coming next episode. This may be a two or possibly three parter with the amount of information given. But with that being said, I'd like to plug our social media one last time for you guys. If you guys are looking to figure out where we are on the net, you can go to linktree slash breadcrumb trails. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash breadcrumb trails podcast. And you can go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trailblazermedia. We'd really like it if you went to check out our Patreon. We do not get paid for this. This is all volunteer work and the amount of hours that have to go into editing the podcast audio is absolutely insane. We do this because we like to educate and inform, but Gina would like to turn this into a full-time career. 
If you enjoy the content that we put out, please do consider supporting us. It would mean the world. And not to mention, on Patreon, you get a couple of extra special perks for supporting us. Thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next episode. I want to take a moment to thank you, Brian, once again, for chatting with us. I I'm sure as time goes on, we may have more questions. And yeah, that this may be a thing again. So we'll, we'll yep. see how that goes. Um, but I want to take a moment to kind of close out and say that... Um, I've enjoyed this experience. I've enjoyed getting to know you and your experiences a bit more. As a communications and uh, student and an anthropology student, it has been an absolute treat. Uh, it's definitely given me some things to think about. Uh, so I guess at this point, for the Breadcrumb Trails podcast, I'm Gina. I'm Amy. And I'm Carol.